Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Whenever you feel angry, call an emotional timeout. If you're arguing with your mate, remove yourself and go to the other room. Listen to Proverbs 14, verse 29. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. In today's very volatile culture, a lot of people feel entitled to express their rage. And if you know someone who's got that short fuse, well, you know what it's like to walk in fear, just waiting for the bomb to go off. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress shares Solomon's wisdom for keeping our tempers in check. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. In one word, could you describe the emotional state of our country today? Would it be fear, confusion, worry? Well, I think I'd choose this one. It seems like people are seething with anger. Do we need any more evidence than the civil unrest? Our cities have become the stage for dramatic displays of uncontrolled rage. Today and again tomorrow, we'll open our Bibles to the book of Proverbs, where we find wisdom from Solomon on how to keep our cool, not only in life-threatening moments of fury, but in the daily aggravations of life. And before we begin with the message, let me remind you that time is running out to request your copy of the book I've written for this series. It's titled, The Solomon Secrets. Now, the offer expires this Friday. My book, The Solomon Secrets, includes a chapter on the topic we're addressing today about anger. And when you give a generous gift to support Pathway to Victory, you're entitled to request your copy. In addition, I'm going to send you a 44-page booklet for the young adult or teen in your life. It addresses many of the same issues we've touched on in our series, such as dealing with envy and cultivating healthy relationships. This resource is called Timeless Wisdom from Proverbs. David and I will repeat this information again later. But right now, let's get started with our study in Proverbs. I've titled today's message, Keep Your Cool When Things Get Hot. Is it just me? Or do you find that people seem to be getting angrier every day? I mean, open up a newspaper and you're likely to read a story about an employee who's been terminated, who returns back to his workplace and opens fire on his fellow employees. Or a story about a driver who gets cut off by another motorist and catches up with him and pulls him out of the car and beats him senseless. Or a story about a mother tired of the incessant crying of her infant daughter who drowns her. Not long ago, I read in the newspaper a story, true story, about a guy who was ordered by a judge to attend an anger management workshop for assaulting his girlfriend. He arrived at the workshop drunk, and that so infuriated the leader of the anger management workshop that the leader began to punch him and beat him senseless. (laughs) He ended up dying as a result of it. Let's be honest, anger is difficult to control, even for the so-called management experts. And yet the Bible says that controlling our anger is just as important to success in life 
as containing our lust or controlling our speech. In fact, we see that over and over again in the book of Proverbs, the premium that Solomon places on controlling our anger. Listen to Proverbs 14, 29. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Or Proverbs 15, 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 16, 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit is better than one who captures a city. Did you catch that last sentence? A wise person, Solomon says, who really wants to be intent on success in life, learns how to turn away from his anger. And yet, turning away from anger is not the norm today. In fact, it goes against conventional wisdom. Today, conventional wisdom, even among some Christians, is you need to give full expression to your anger. It kind of goes along this way, the reasoning. People say, even Christian leaders say, well, you have certain rights in your life. And if somebody violates your rights or crosses your boundaries, you have a right to get angry. And if you don't express that anger and keep it inside, you'll do great harm to yourself. And what you need to do for your own benefit is express your anger. Be honest about it to other people. You know what the result is? We have all these Christians running around dumping their anger on their mates, their children, their work associates, other Christians. No wonder this world is increasingly miserable to live in. All these people are out there dumping their anger on one another. But remember in the book of Proverbs, Solomon gives us 10 pieces of uncommon sense. The world says, express your anger. Not Solomon. He says, if you want to be successful in life, control your anger. Or as I'm saying this morning, keep your cool when things get hot. Now, how do you do that? How do you control the anger that we all feel from time to time? Well, first of all, it's important to define what anger is. What are we talking about when we're talking about anger? Now, some of you may say, well, I don't need a definition of anger. You may be kind of like uh, Justice Potter Stewart, the Supreme Court Justice, who was once asked, how do you define pornography? And Justice Stewart said, I don't know how to define it, but I know it when I see it. You may feel that way about anger. I don't know how to define it, but I sure know it when I feel it. Perhaps you're driving down the tollway, minding your own business, thinking about your pastor and church and everything. And uh, <laughs> as you're driving, suddenly you see somebody in your rearview mirror come up right behind you, pull out around you, cut in front of you. And you think, this idiot's going to cause an accident. Your adrenaline begins to pump and your heart begins to pound and you put your foot on the accelerator and you speed up in order to give that guy the holy salute, if you know what I mean. And uh, <laughs> what you're feeling there, that's anger. That's what anger is. Or wives, maybe you can identify with this. You decide that uh, your friends invite you to go out for a joint birthday celebration with several other friends. And at first you're reluctant to do so. It's a school night. Your kids need to be fed. They need to do their homework. And you really don't think you can do it. But your husband says, honey, go on out for a couple of hours. I'll take care of everything. A couple of hours later, you return home. The kids are running wild. The kitchen looks like a nuclear explosion has been detonated in it. You walk into the den, the television is blaring with a football game, and your husband is sprawled out on the couch asleep. 
He awakens and he sees you and he says, home so early, dear? <laughs> that emotion you're feeling inside, it's called anger. We all feel it from time to time. Let me give you this definition of anger that may help you. And it's going to be the guide for our study today. Anger is a natural, physical, and emotional response to perceived injustice. Let me say it again. Anger is a natural, physical, and emotional response to perceived injustice. Now, there are three ingredients to this definition important to understand. First of all, anger is a natural Response. Now stay with me on this. In Genesis 1.27, we find these words, and God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Man was originally created in God's image. And even though the sin of Adam and Eve marred that image and even blurred that image, sin did not eradicate God's image from man. Every human being who walks the face of the planet today, whether they're a Christian or not, is made in the image of God. And every person, Christian or not, bears some remnant of God's image in him or her. And what I'm saying to you is the reason you and I get angry is because we're made in the image of a God who gets angry. That's why I say it is a natural response. We get angry because we're made in the image of a God who gets angry. 455 times in the Old Testament, the word anger is used. 375 of those times, it refers to the anger of God. By the way, an angry God is not just an Old Testament concept. Jesus, the Son of God, was angry at times. Remember how he responded to the hypocritical Pharisees? Or to the money changers in the temple? He didn't sit down and just say, oh, can we reason this out together? No, I mean, he cleaned the place out with his whip. Jesus was angry. The reason you and I get angry is because we're made in the image of God. God has certain attributes. And anything that is in opposition to those attributes makes God angry. For example, God is a God of justice. He is angry about injustice. God is a God of love. That means he hates anything that is unloving. God is a God of holiness. It means he hates anything that is unholy or sinful. The reason you and I get angry is because we're made in the image of God. Secondly, anger is a matter of perception. Remember I said it's a natural and emotional response to perceived injustice. Sometimes we jump to conclusions. We assume that something is wrong and we get angry. For example, Go back to my example. Let's say you speed up and you catch that motorist who almost called the accident on the tollway. You pull him off to the side of the road. You discover he has a child in the back seat that he's trying to rush to the hospital for an emergency. That would change your perspective, wouldn't it? Or ladies, let's just imagine you get home, your husband's sprawled out on the couch and you find out he's sick. He said he had a cold and he took some cold medicine and that's what made him pass out. That'd change your perspective, wouldn't it? No, probably not. But anyway, just play like it would. Come on, play along with me here for just a moment. I mean, the reason we get angry a lot of times is because we have incomplete information. Thirdly, anger results in a response. Remember I said anger is a natural, physical, and emotional response. Mark it down. Remember this. Anger will always express itself 
We can't stop that. Let me illustrate that for you. Is love right or wrong? Well, it depends, doesn't it, on how that love is expressed and to whom it's expressed. It's great to love your mate. It's not great to love somebody else's mate. In fact, it all depends, doesn't it? It's the same way with anger. Is anger right or wrong? Well, it depends. It depends on how you express that anger. In Ephesians 4, verses 26 and 27, Paul says, Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and don't give the devil an opportunity. Did you know nowhere else in the Bible does it say, Be greedy, but don't sin. Or be lustful, but don't sin. It doesn't say that. But here it says, you can go ahead and be angry. Why he says that is that's a natural response. You're not going to stop feeling angry. The question is, how do you express that anger? In Colossians 3 verse 8, Paul gave us some negative ways to respond to anger. In Colossians 3 8, Paul says, but now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Notice he didn't say quit feeling anger. He said instead know how to put it aside. Now this word anger is a general term. But these next two phrases, look at verse 8 of Colossians 3, wrath and malice refer to two different responses to anger. Now jot this down on your note. What's the difference between wrath and malice? Both are expressions of anger. Wrath, write this down, wrath is anger expressed. Wrath is anger expressed. That word wrath in the New Testament is the Greek word thymon. And literally, it means rage. That's what wrath is. It is an outward volcanic explosion of anger. We talk about sometimes people who go into a blind rage. Maybe you've gone into one before. Somebody pushes the wrong emotional button or the right button, whichever way you want to look at it. And all of a sudden, you let loose a string of words that pour from your mouth and you can't stop it no matter how hard you try or at least you feel like you can't. And many times, wrath, blind rage doesn't stop there. Many times, it results in violence and even death. You know, um, every time I think about wrath and malice and anger and rage, I, I think about the story about the two men who were at an all-night diner drinking coffee, and about one o'clock in the morning, they were having a philosophical discussion about the difference between irritation, anger, and rage. And Bill, one of the men, said to his friend, now let me show you the difference between irritation, anger, and rage. Come over here with me to the payphone. So his friend went over to the payphone. Bill puts a quarter in the payphone, dials a random number at one o'clock in the morning. The person on the other end picks it up. Bill says, hello, is Jones there? The guy sleepily says, he's not here, and slams down the phone. Bill says to his friend, now that is irritation. Let me show you what anger is. He waits about 15 minutes, calls the same number again. <laughs> the guy picks up the phone. He says, is Jones there? I told you he's not here, slams down the phone. He said, now that's anger. Now let me show you what rage is. <laughs> he waits about 15 minutes, puts the quarter in, dials the number again. Person picks up the phone, hello? Bill says, this is Jones, do I have any messages? <laughs> now that's rage. 
And we laugh at it, but really many times blind rage isn't a laughing matter. People go temporarily insane, it's said, in a time of blind rage. That is, they are so overcome by their anger, they lose control of their speech and actions. And many times when we give full vent to our rage, we say words that can never be retrieved. We make decisions that are absolutely irreversible. And that's why uh, Solomon said in Proverbs 14, verse 17, a quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. Wrath is anger expressed, but malice, that's the other word Paul uses in Colossians 3, 8, that is anger suppressed. Wrath is anger expressed. Malice is anger suppressed. Sometimes when we get angry, good sense prevails, and instead of unleashing a torrent of negative words against a person, we decide it'd be in our best interest not to, especially if that other person is our employer or our mate or somebody we care about. So instead of expressing our anger, we turn it inwardly. But remember, malice, malice, anger suppressed is just as dangerous as wrath, which is anger expressed. Whenever we turn our anger inward, what happens is that anger turns into bitterness that becomes a corrosive agent that eventually destroys the container in which it's stored. Dr. Frank Minereth, the Christian psychiatrist, notes the physiological problems that occur when we turn anger inwardly. He says that anger that is turned inward decreases the lymphocytes in our blood that produce the necessary antibodies to ward off infectious diseases. In fact, Dr. Minerith says, quote, pent up anger is probably the leading cause of death in America today. The other problem with suppressed anger is that it rarely stays suppressed. Eventually, and sometimes unexpectedly, that anger explodes. I came across an interesting article in the preparation of this message. It was a 1994 article entitled, War's Lethal Leftovers Threaten Europeans. In the article, Christopher Burns writes, the bombs of World War II are still killing in Europe today. They turn up and sometimes blow up at construction sites, in fishing nets, or on beaches 50 years after the guns fell silent. Unexploded bombs become more dangerous with time. With the corrosion inside, the weapons become more unstable and the detonator can be exposed. You know what happens with suppressed anger that we bury inside of it? Eventually it eats away. It exposes the detonator and that means sometimes we run into somebody and it just takes a wrong look from another person or a harmless word spoken to be the spark that sets off an explosion. And that's why Solomon said we need to deal with anger that is suppressed and deal with that just like anger that is expressed. In Proverbs 30 verse 33, Solomon warned, for the churning of milk produces butter and pressing the nose brings forth blood, so the churning of anger produces strife. Well, if we're not to express our anger in a rage, if we're not to suppress it, and keep turning it over in our hearts, how do we effectively deal with anger? I want you to notice in the book of Proverbs, Solomon gives us five simple principles for dealing with the anger that we feel toward others. Principle number one, whenever you feel angry, call an emotional timeout. If you're in a conversation with somebody 
and you feel yourself getting more and more angry, ask for a time out. If you're arguing with your mate, remove yourself and go to the other room. If you're arguing with your boss, just ask if you can uh, go back to your office and reconvene the meeting again. If you're in a telephone conversation, ask if you can call the person back so you can collect your thoughts. By the way, removing yourself from a volatile situation is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. Listen to Proverbs 14, verse 29. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Or Proverbs 16, verse 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. Proverbs 19, verse 11. You know, we think anger is a sign of strength, not the Bible. Solomon says a man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory, not his weakness. It is his glory to overlook a transgression. Call an emotional timeout so you are slow to get angry. Number two, analyze the cause of your anger. You know, the purpose of an emotional timeout is not to avoid your angry feelings, but to analyze them so you can deal with them appropriately. And during that time out, ask yourself two questions. Number one, what is the real cause of my anger? Why am I feeling this way? Is it because of a right I expect has been violated? Is it because I really feel angry over an injustice towards somebody else? Exactly why do I feel this way? And second question to ask yourself is, do I have complete and accurate information? Remember, a lot of the times we feel angry is because we don't have all the facts. You know, Walter will tell you, you know, there's some times I'll hear something, I storm into his office, I heard so-and-so and so-and-so and this happened, I'm mad, you know, and Walter said, well, no, wait, pastor, let's be sure we've got all the facts before we uh, jump off and make a decision. We all need people like that around us to help calm us down and make sure that we have all the right information. Proverbs 18, verse 13 says, he who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Number three, learn to overlook minor offenses. Learn to overlook minor offenses. You know, you can't go through life every day without suffering minor emotional bruises from other people. Maybe an unreturned telephone call or a forgotten birthday or some other slight, like somebody being late for an appointment. Now, those injustices are real, they're painful, but they're also temporary. And a wise person learns to overlook those minor offenses. It's possible you're thinking of someone in your life right now who has a short fuse. Maybe it's a son or daughter, perhaps your mate, maybe it's you. Our prayer is that today's Secret from Solomon provides just what you need to keep your cool when things get hot. Well, in this final week of March, this is one of the very last times I'll mention the special resources we've put together for this series. I'm inviting you to take advantage today and request my book I've written for you. It's called The Solomon Secrets, 10 Keys to Extraordinary Success. In addition to the subject we've addressed today, you'll also find wisdom on cultivating intimacy in your marriage, discovering financial freedom, and learning to control your emotions like fear and anger. When you give a generous gift to the Ministry of Pathway to Victory, I'll make sure a copy of The Solomon Secrets is sent promptly to your home. Before our time is out, 
I'd like to say a big thank you to our growing family of financial supporters. Your consistent giving is truly making a difference. For example, I want to read you an encouraging comment I received from Charles, who listens to our program from prison. He wrote, Pastor Jeffers, your teaching has helped me understand and accept that God is not done with me despite of all of my mistakes and the humiliation of being sentenced to prison. I believe God placed me here to prepare me for my second chance. Through God's amazing grace, my marriage has been healed and my relationship with my sons has flourished. God has been speaking through you. Well, thanks so much, Charles, for that encouragement. And friends, now it's your turn. Would you be willing to join the team? Your generous gift today will allow us to pierce the darkness with the light of God's Word. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. You're invited to request a copy of Dr. Jeffress's best-selling book, The Solomon Secrets, when you give a generous gift to Pathway to Victory. Just give us a call at 866-999-2965 or visit online at ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $75 or more, we'll also include this month's teaching series, The Solomon Secrets, on CD and DVD. One more time, call 866-999-2965 or even easier, go online to ptv.org. You could send your donation by mail. Here's the address, P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. That's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Join us again tomorrow for the conclusion of this practical message on how to keep your cool when things get hot. That's Thursday, here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.